Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In the New Testament narrative, there is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit's work in a twofold dimension. On the one hand, the Spirit's work is an internal work. On the other hand, it's an external work. It's within and it is without. The language of the New Testament speaks of an inward filling of the Holy Spirit but it also speaks of an outward clothing of the Holy Spirit. Inwardly, we are supplied. Outwardly, we are strengthened. Within, we are nourished and we are satisfied. And without, we have power and confidence. In a way, we cannot just live by an inward Holy Spirit. Likewise, we cannot just live by an outward clothing Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is pictured often as a dove in the New Testament, especially there at the time of Jesus' baptism. And what is interesting about a dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, is that it has two wings. That dove does not fly with one wing alone. It's a balanced dynamic. And it's the same in you and I's life. We cannot just have an inner life with God. We cannot just have an outer, external life with God. It takes two wings, two wings of the Holy Spirit to cause us to live the spiritual life. In this message, I want to highlight briefly the internal life and encourage you again to remember the external clothing. When I taught this particular message to a group of young people, I arranged for the lead singer of an old-timey Christian band by the name of Petra. And the brother's name is John Schlitt. I arranged for him to surprisingly call in and exhort the students from uh, the song Beyond Belief. It's a song that Bob Hartman wrote that John Schlitt sings on the album Beyond Belief. And it's a glorious song, and that was the leading song of our fellowship together with the young people. And I was encouraging them to move on from those beginning and elemental uh, principles in God. And I was speaking on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the inward filling and the outward clothing. And then John calls in quite surprisingly. I put him on video conference call and I just for five minutes or so had him address the student body. So somewhere within this um, ministry, there's going to be an interruption and you're going to be wondering what's going on. Well, that is John calling in, and then just listen in and appreciate a singer that has dedicated his entire life to the preaching of the gospel through the ministry of song. But bear this in mind, 
The Holy Spirit has two ministries, an inward filling ministry and an outward clothing ministry. John the baptizer prophesied that this Lord who is coming, this rabbi, this master, he's going to do a spiritual baptism with you where John is just going to do a watery baptism. When you went down to the river, John put you down to that river. You came up out of that river completely drenched. And he spoke such a prophetic word of Jesus who's going to come. He's going to so drench you that when you're under his ministry, you will live a life that's just dripping and drenched with the Spirit of God. And I believe with all of my heart, the Lord is still wanting to do exactly that kind of a ministry in my life and in your life. So now we, we get to this question. I know that being dipped in water, H2O, drenched, I know that's baptism. But Francois, you're saying there's such a thing as a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you quoted several verses from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that there is this thing that Jesus is going to baptize. What is that baptism in the Spirit then? What then is it? You're saying that we're getting soaked, we're getting drenched, we're getting immersed from the head to the feet, from the spirit to my soul, to my body, to the environment in which I live. Somehow you're saying God wants to drench all of that with His life-giving spirit. Yeah, but I want to simplify it for you. And I want to introduce you to two things that the spirit will do, among many things. Okay, um, At our school, we expound these things in way more depth because in our school, we actually train people in the economy of God. That is, in the way of God, the rhythm of God. So this weekend, I can at best just give you a taste of some of the things that we mention. There's a lot that the Spirit of God does within us. The other night, we spoke about He brings light and He brings separation, and He brings intensification, and He brings forth life and energy and vibrancy and multiplication, and He brings forth the image of God and you and the authority of God. And There's a lot that the Holy Spirit does. In a minute, you're going to see the Holy Spirit is your comforter, and He's your helper, and He's your advocate, and your intercessor. There is just, we in the school, we use a phrase associated with the Holy Spirit. We say often, the Holy Spirit. But I'm trying to teach the folk that are with me that another way of saying Holy Spirit is to say the all-inclusive Spirit. Like we would not just say Jesus Christ. We often would say the Lord Jesus who is our all-inclusive everything. And we're trying to teach the people that are with us that in the Lord, there's no lack. He has everything that it takes 
to be your master. And we say the same thing of the Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of God's name. That's the Spirit of the Lord's name. And of course, a bunch of other names. But we try to teach folk in the breath of God, in the Spirit of God, there is everything that you need for life and godliness. There's nothing lacking. So we would call him the all-inclusive spirit. That's not in the Bible. Is everybody with me? It's just a way to, in a way, prime the pump of my thinking that, yeah, everything that I need is in the all-inclusive spirit. So there's a lot that the spirit wants to do for you, but can I just, for this afternoon session, for a few minutes, can I introduce you to two very simple things? And I want to write those words for you on the screen. So it's one Holy Spirit. But it does, in a way, a, uh, how can we say, a twofold work within you. At the very least. So when we say Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, at the very least, he's got to do these two things in you. I have a lot of Bible verses. I've written extensive notes on this, and in our school we give all this information. I don't want to do that right now. But I want you to hear carefully, and I'm just going to ad lib some Bible verses for you. Did you come across a lot of verses in the New Testament, especially in the Gospel of John, where Jesus would say a little something like this? The bread that I give you uh, it's going to cause you to never hunger again. He would say things like this to that, for instance, the woman at the well. This is John 4 now. He would say, there's going to be a spring that's unlocked within you. And a kind of a fountain. And, and if you drink of me, you, you will never thirst again. Uh, in John 6, yeah, he would speak about bread. That if you eat this bread, which is my body, and you eat my person, and you eat my work, you eat my accomplishments, you, you should never, ever run dry. Like a Christian should really, 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 who is filled with the Spirit of God, who is filled with the person of Christ, the all-inclusive Christ, that person should never say, Oh, I'm just so dry. Because he said you'll never hunger again. Now, can I ask you a trick question? Where does water go to quench my thirst? Where's my biologist in the room? Where do I have to interact with water for me to never thirst again? Where do I have to put it? I'm not a scientist, but the last time I checked, what we have to do is I have to take something that is outside of me. That's a cup of cold water, right? And I have to partake of this water. And then where does that water go? It goes within me. Does it, is that right? And it mingles with my person. Am I right? And then my body absorbs that water, and now my, my, my thirst is quenched. How am I doing, all my scientists? Am I so far doing okay? Okay, so what kind of an interaction do I have to have with bread in order to satisfy my hunger? Somebody help me. I take something that's without, correct? 
slap some peanut butter on it. Then I have to partake of it, right? I have to eat it and chew it. And then when I chew that bread, where does it go? It goes with, it goes within. And so as a result from that inward partaking, I never hunger again, so to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. If I want to experience celebration, 80s style, what, what do I do with that glass of wine? Help me, a lot of folk. Cheers, everybody. What do, what do I do with that wine in order to have like a good vibe and <laughs> chilled out and be exuberant and party? What do I do with that glass of wine? Talk to me, somebody. I know y'all are all underage. Okay, I take that wine and, and what do I do? I partake of that wine. And where does the wine go? It comes into my system. My system absorbs that wine. And as a result, from that water, I'm saturated. I'm filled. Uh, because of that bread, uh, I'm filled. Because of that wine, I, I marry. There's my English word I was looking for. Okay. <clears throat> now, listen carefully. You and I, as we stand here today, have an inward need to be filled with God. Ever since day one there in the garden, we have had such an inward need to be uh, supplied by God. So, if Jesus is the baptizer in the Spirit, if He is the one that gives me the Holy Spirit and ministers the Holy Spirit to me, then can I submit to you, the first thing that He has to do a ministry in my life is an inward ministry. Can, can all of y'all agree with me? So there's my word number one. If Jesus does not satisfy me inwardly, I have not partaken of His ministry. Am I wrong? That just makes sense. He said if you... If, if, if you partake of me, you will never thirst. You, you, you will never hunger. He also would say something like this. He said, I'm the light of the world. If you walk in me, you will never stumble. You will have light within yourself. So you and I have an inward need. And so if Jesus is to minister to me, then at the very first, he has to do something about my inward need. Amen. Amen? Okay. So you will see, there's a lot of passages where he describes how he's going to fill that inward need of yours. And what is your inward need? Your inward need is to be satisfied, is it not? Your inward need is to be rejuvenated. Your inward need is to be supplied right? Your inward need is to be alive. You know, when you and I are anorexic and, and we're dying on the inside, what do I have to do to live? I have to take bread. I have to take drink and it will nourish me again. And so we say tongue in cheek, you are what you, you eat. Okay. And you are what you drink, so to speak. So spiritually speaking, it's, it's, it's the same principle. If you don't eat the Lord 
And if he does not minister to my inward man, you, you stay spiritually a bulimic, malnourished, anorexic in spirit. And so many of us actually have such a, a walk with the Lord. We do believe that he, he's the Lord, but I don't eat him. I don't partake of him. I, I don't drink him deep. And so as a result, inwardly I stay emaciated. Inwardly I stay malnourished. And a person who does not have the inward strength cannot have the outward walk. If you don't eat, you cannot work. Why do we eat? So that we can work and live and move and go. Is everybody with me? So the way that you are on the inside is paramount. So if Jesus is to fill me with the Spirit, if He's to do a spiritual work in me, and if He is to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, then before I walk, I have to be supplied. Inwardly, something has to happen for me. And until something happens in you inwardly, you will not have a walk of power outwardly. Because that outward power is predicated on the inward presence, the inward reality, the inward filling. Does this make sense? So God has set it up to you that you and I are basically two people. I'm still just addressing number one. You have an inward need. And there's a lot of references to the Spirit of God that has to come in you. In you. Kind of like drink comes in you. The bread comes in you. Is everybody with me? Real simple. Okay. Now you and I are also an outward person. And for my outward person, I have to wear clothes. It is not a dapper or becoming thing to walk butt naked down there in the mall. Hey, everybody. <laughs> to my nakedness, there is shame attached in a public arena. So what do we do for our nakedness? We wear clothing. Is everybody with me? For my inward hunger, I take bread. For my outward vulnerability, for my outward nakedness, for my outward shame, I take clothes. So, Jesus, number one, has to do something for me inwardly. But number two, I cannot just sit in my home and eat and stay butt naked. Because if you stay naked, you will not want to come out of your shell. You'll not want to leave your home. Why? Because there's nakedness, uh, sorry, there is shame attached to naked people. And you, you get arrested, by the way. At next weekend's football game, I dare you to just strip naked and run across the field and see what happens to you. You're going to be locked up. We'll come visit you in prison. <laughs> Call you an idiot. We just don't walk around naked out there. Is everybody with me? So the reason a lot of us cannot in the outward life live for God, we cannot move with God. We cannot work with God. We cannot minister with God. It's because we're butt naked. 
So that's why we only sit in our house with our Beth Moore and our coffee cup and our Instagram. That's kind of, so somebody feed me. So inside we are fed and the Lord is ministering to my inward person. But unless something happens to your outward person, um, God's work in you is not really complete. So saints, that's a mouthful. Let me see if I can uh, uh, crystallize this and um, give you a few more words. You and I have a need within that you know only God can fill. We, you know, we say that from Pascal. We have this God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. That's, that's really good. But either it's filled or it's not. When the Lord uses the word, He says, you will never hunger, never thirst. Either that is true or my experience is not on par with that truth. Either God is a liar or I'm just still lollygagging around. So I believe that if you really walk with your Lord and His ministry of spirit baptism can have an effect on your life, then you should get to that place where you are satisfied with your Lord. You're at peace with your Lord. You drink your Lord and the wine of the Spirit makes you happy and chills you out. And the water refreshes and revitalizes you. And the bread sustains you and energizes you. In other words, in your essence... There's a word that I want to write down. Why does God give you the spirit to drink? Why does God give you the bread to, to, to eat? So that inwardly, your essence is supplied. Inwardly, your essence, your real core person that you are, is supplied by Almighty God. And this culminates in you experiencing the life of God. Because when you eat, you live. You don't eat, you don't live. So why does God give you the Spirit like drink to come within you? Why does He fill you with the Holy Spirit on the inside? It's so that you can, in your essence, be supplied. And so that you can experience life. So that's the one dimension of the baptism of the Spirit. The soaking in the Spirit. When you uh, are so parched and you take that gallon of water and you just drench your inside, you're actually baptizing your entire being with water. And so this is what the Holy Spirit will do for you, is to baptize the entirety of your inward being with His life-giving, sustaining, supplying vitality so that you can live. Amen. Aha. Well, there's another part. Since you and I also have an outward moving in this earth, an outward living in this earth, until eternity comes and we're clothed in immortal suits, until then, we're going to have to wear clothing. Is everybody with me? Except it, when, we have, when we make babies and you know, stuff like that, you may, you may want to move some of the little blockage, a little barrier, but okay. 
But out here on this earth, it's kind of like a good thing to be clothed. Because if you're clothed, notice what happens to you when you're clothed. When you're clothed, you can pull up your shoulders and you have dignity. When you're clothed, you have confidence. When you're clothed, you have courage. And also, a man who's a builder, he will clothe himself in a certain kind of a, uh, a tough canvas pant that doesn't wear out for, so that he's suited for that particular task. An athlete nevertheless needs to be clothed, but maybe they wear tighter fitting clothes and a more, you know, wick drying type of clothing. You need to be clothed so that you can function. But here's what happens to so many of us. We have a misperception of spirituality. We think spirituality means devotions in my bedroom at 6 o'clock in the morning, and that's the Christian life. But when I come out of my bedroom, I'm timid, I'm afraid, I'm sort of, you know, shy, I'm undercover. The reason you don't have that confidence, that boldness, that dignity to live for God and speak for God and represent God is because you're not clothed with power from on high. So therefore, you can't run because you're, you, 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 you have the wrong clothes. You can't construct and build because you've got the wrong clothing. So one of the works of the Holy Spirit, no doubt, is to fill you inwardly in your essence, so that you're supplied with life and vitality. But another thing the Spirit of God has to do for you is outwardly. He's got to fill you, clothe you, so that you can be economically used of God. That's a word I'm making up as we go. The one part of the Spirit has to supply me essentially in the core of my being. But another part of the Spirit has to empower me economically so that I can live and move and go and minister and work in a nutshell, service. Service. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really a twofold work that has to happen. And it can happen all in a moment. It can happen over time. A lot of folk have different testimonies as to how they've experienced all of this. But if I could take all of that lofty uh, concepts of baptism in the Spirit and just boil it down to two simple, bite-sized concepts, it's an inward filling for your person. Your essence is supplied for strength within. And it's an outward clothing for dignity, honor, work, ministry, service. There's an anointing within you that teaches you, that illuminates you, that brings understanding, that, that graces you, that the inward spirit speaks to you and, and, and leads you. And then there's also the anointing that's upon you that makes you move and go and work and serve. Now, can we take just a step back? Follow along with me here. In the Old Testament, we had only this aspect of the Holy Spirit. 
this aspect where the Spirit came upon us so that we could do ministry. This was very uh, present in the Old Testament. Think, for instance, of a prophet. Think of a king. The Spirit came upon that person. And you'll go read in the Old Testament. It will always say, the Spirit moved on that person. Or was poured out on that person, so to speak, and came upon. And then the prophet would speak. The king would rule, and etc., etc. So that aspect of the Holy Spirit has been around for a very, very long time. But in the Old Testament, we never had this inward aspect of the Spirit. So those guys in the Old Testament, they would experience the Lord come upon them, and like even King Saul, very much a fleshly king, the Spirit would come upon him, he would prophesy, dance, sing, and then the Spirit would leave. The Spirit would rush. The Spirit would withdraw. And when uh, the Spirit comes upon you and clothes you, you'll feel confident to speak up, speak out, and dance. And that kind of outpouring of the Spirit of God is nothing new. It started in the Old Testament, and it is still with us to this day. You cannot say God is done pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh. You can't say, I don't need the power of the Spirit. Listen, without the clothing of the Spirit, you're naked and you will not fulfill the mandate God has for you in your life. You, you, you'll be ashamed of God. And I submit to you that many of us are so ashamed of God, yet in our hearts we believe in God. It's because we've completely dissed this aspect of God pouring out His Spirit like clothing, like a mantle upon you. Like Elijah would, would put his mantle on Elisha. And there was the anointing that rushed upon him, and now you're able to, to work and serve and minister. So saints, I just want to say, in the Old Testament, this was already there. God loves to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. God loves to equip you. You're only so good in the flesh. But to do the work of God, you need a rushing spirit, a clothing spirit, an empowering spirit to come upon you. Otherwise, you're not going to do a thing. All you have to do is ask yourself this question. How bold am I speaking for the Lord, living for the Lord, working with the Lord, serving, ministering, let's say praying, let's say teaching? Because those are the gifts of the Spirit. When God anoints you, and clothes you with a certain gifting. That is like a, an athlete is clothed with a certain wardrobe so that that person can run. And a builder is clothed, and a, a person who goes up as an astronaut, they're clothed a certain way. Those are the giftings of the Spirit. You can't say, I don't need God's clothing. If you say, I don't need the outward Spirit, I don't need the, the mantle of God on me. If you say, I don't need to be clothed with the Spirit, you've got too much confidence in your flesh. And for those of us who are confident in our flesh, we, we get into works, we get into burnout, we get into show and make pretend and all this stuff. And I just want to tell you guys, listen, we need to be clothed with the Spirit 
the power from on high. You guys wear all sorts of name brand clothing. We need the name brand of Jesus, JC, on us. And he's the only one that can pour that clothing onto you so that you don't live timid, naked, and ashamed and afraid in this earth. I want you to turn briefly, and I've got to hurry, Revelation 3. You've got to ask yourselves, how easy is it for you to minister, to love, to pray, to serve, to, to proclaim and preach? If it's awkward for you to speak for God, that means you're naked. You need to be clothed with power from on high. If you don't have wisdom in a certain situation, then guess what? God would love to clothe you with wisdom for that situation. That's the clothing to meet the task at hand. If you don't know much about the Lord, He needs to pour out upon you so that you know by the Spirit of God. You can speak by the Spirit of God. So whatever need you and I have, whatever mandate is in front of us, the Spirit of God wants to do that for you. My question is, are you naked and don't know it? Because we know it. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. Verse 15. This talks about a certain Christian community. And uh, Jesus himself is speaking. He says, I know your works. You're neither cold or hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am wealthy. And I've become rich. And I have need of nothing. But you don't know that you're actually wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. How do you all say it in the South? Naked. Say it again. Naked. Oh, say it again. Naked. Southerners, I'm trying to pick up all y'all's uh, colloquialisms. It's not going great. In the Old Testament, the Lord poured out his spirit upon folk. And Joel, in chapter 2, would even prophesy, this is the heart of God to pour out his spirit on young people and old people and let them dream and let them see and let them proclaim and prophesy. Then, will you know it? In the New Testament, God actually pours his spirit again on a group of about, oh, let's say 120-odd people. And that 120 people, we'll read about it later. That 120 people, they would go out into the street, out of hiding, public, and they went in Acts uh, chapter 2, they would declare the wondrous works of God. They didn't study those works, because those were folks that came from, from all over, and, and all of a sudden... Just people hear them speak in different languages. They didn't learn those languages. By the way, they didn't speak in tongues. 
the way Paul at one time explains tongue speaking. What happened there on Pentecost was that they spoke in human languages they didn't learn. The uh, scholastic term for that is xenolalia. They spoke in xenolalia. That is, they spoke in a foreign human language they never learned. God clothed them with an ability they never had in the natural. So there it is on the day of Pentecost. God clothes these people. They were all afraid and hiding for some 10 days. They were in obscurity, hidden, timid, ashamed. And they're waiting. And they don't know what, what's going on. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes upon them. Well, that happened to certain men and women in the Old Testament. But all of a sudden, an entire group of people gets mobilized by God. An entire group of people. It's not just the select individual anymore. God is just like, all of you guys, power. And that's exactly what Jesus said. You will receive power. So this whole thing in the Old Testament, this should not intimidate you. This should not make you afraid. It's been around. If you do not believe in an outpouring upon you, a mantle upon you, clothing upon you, Take your Bible and toss it. Now, don't quote me on that, because there's a context for that phrase. Just <laughs> me to repeat for a second. If you don't believe God can equip you, empower you beyond your wisdom, beyond your education, beyond your age, beyond your sex, male, female, if you don't believe God can clothe you so that you will come out of hiding and proclaim God, then... Pray tell, go get you some New Age Bible and start a new religion. There's nothing new for God to pour out His Spirit upon. But there is something new that happened only since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's when the Spirit comes inside of man. See, in the Old Testament, we never received the Spirit inside of us. My person, my essence always stayed dry, even though I was used by God, and I worked with God, and I ministered, yet inwardly when that man David, when that man Isaiah, when that man Ezekiel, Daniel, when they lay down at night, I'm astounded at their faithfulness of God, Yet God had not yet come on the inside of them. God was just upon them. Yet they stayed so faithful, devoted, abandoned. And yet you and I have God within, but we backslide every other day. I marvel at those Old Testament saints who did not have an indwelling Lord. They had a clothing Lord, no doubt. We have it greater than David had it, Samuel had it. We have... What? <laughs> Hello? John, is that you? That is me, my friend. How you doing? <laughs> John, I am super, super good. Hold on. There's some folk here that want to say uh, hello to you. 
John, that is amazing. Hey, let me put this down here. Um, John, can you still see me? I can see you, my friend. Yes, I can. Hey, everybody, this is John Schmidt from Petra! Um, it is a pleasure, my friends. I'll tell you what, when uh, I was told that this is uh, part of, it's, the theme is Beyond Belief, I was totally honored. And thank you guys for, for letting me speak with you for a little bit. Um, I was asked to tell you what uh, I think of the song, what I do every time I sing it. I have been singing this song for years and years. And it's very simple. When I introduce a song, I start off with, hey, once you're saved, is that good enough? You sit back and say, I'm taken care of and you don't care about anything else. Or do you find out what's beyond belief? And that to me is the whole theme of the song. And guys, I think that's also our commission. When Christ, before Christ left, he said, listen, uh, tell the people about me, tell the world about me. And all of us, that's our commission. That is the one and most major uh, responsibility we have and so when I'm singing this song I'm reminded every time and then when I realize that this this convention or this class or whatever you call you groups of people uh, <laughs> we join we join together and we are part of a team that can make a difference in the whole world amen each one of you, each one of you is going to separate and go your own ways yeah you, who knows you doctors lawyers plumbers whatever but it doesn't matter what you do because you are a walking testimony. And you are going to get a chance to talk about Jesus Christ in the strangest ways. Sometimes just being Christ-like in the middle of something that's not as, as joyful as you'd like. And it's, it's just so cool to be a Christian. I, I tell you, so many people go, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. Well, yeah, it's hard. But it's also an amazing opportunity, an amazing honor to walk as a Christian. Because we are saying we're Christ-like, and we are everything else. I mean, like I said, we have responsibilities. We have uh, uh, we have talents that God's given us. We are going to go out and make a difference in the world, not only uh, uh, through our physical uh, attributes, our knowledge, our our skills, but we're also going to go out there and make a difference in how we act, how we react, and what we say. Guys, you are important. You are children of God. And it's just so exciting. And when I got a chance to talk with you, I just thank you so much. And uh, uh, it's just been, uh, this is very strange. First of all, this is the first time I've ever done this. And, and uh, you may notice I'm, I'm walking around. That's, that's what I do when I'm on the phone. I, I, never, I never stop walking. So if you're seeing the background sort of uh, uh, moving around, because I am. And just... Uh, it's an honor. It, are there any questions or are there in any that kind of thing? Would you, uh, is there something else that, that I can help you with? John, can I ask a question well, before you sing? Um, I, I, I can't hear you guys very well. John. Um, yes. I know that you're a singer, and um, but I also think I've seen at times that you do woodwork. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh, you're getting right to the heart of the matter. Thanks so much. Uh, 
Actually, yes, I love woodworking. Uh, I'm uh, whenever I'm not touring, I'm in my shop building something. It sort of came out of uh, someone needed something, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I, that don't buy that garbage. I can make something better for you. It's just you know out of real wood." And uh, and it just started that way, and I ended up building uh, uh, furniture and beds and all this kind of, for half of the Christian artists in the in the country, which is sort of an honor, you know. Uh, I, I'm just one of those guys that likes to spend time making making things. I like to be productive. I like to create. That's probably you know the same side of my brain as as the singing part is is basically saying I love to create. I love to see things. I love to take old stuff and make it brand new. Amen. And that that's exciting. Amen. Um, give him a hand, everybody. Um, John, I am uh, very, very thankful to um, for the time with you. <laughs> um, hey, Chris, well, it, it's been a pleasure, buddy. It really has. Thank you for sharing your uh, adventure here. I really, it, it really means a lot to me. Hey, I love you. Um, keep rocking on, and uh, thank you for being a word of encouragement to all of us this afternoon. God bless you. I hope. Just stand strong, everybody. We are we are soldiers for Jesus. It's it's very cool. This means war. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right, everybody, give him a hand clap, man. See ya. Thank you, John. Bye. If you feel inadequate in a relationship. If you feel inadequate in a, a class at college that you just cannot wrap your mind around, wherever you have a deficit, the Spirit of God is well able to clothe you. Beloved, I've had so many people come to our school over the years, and, and, and I really, I don't want to sensationalize or exaggerate one thing. I've had so many people come who struggle to get their brain around their education and to thrive and to be maximized in college. Then they come here, God rushes upon them, clothes them, fills them up on the inside, and all of a sudden they go back to college and they hit home runs. Wherever there's a lack in your life, there's where the Spirit wants to clothe you so that you don't have to be ashamed in class, ashamed at work. Like, I really believe we need to stop making excuses for where we're inadequate and just say, when I'm weak, hello, finish the sentence. My confidence to walk in this life is dependent upon the clothing that I wear. Is y'all with me? So wherever you have a lack with your mom, or you have a lack with your dad, or you have a lack trying to sing for the Lord, or play an instrument, or speak for the Lord, or you're just trying to be kind and relational, wherever you have lack, that's where the Spirit can gift you. The evidence, there's many, that you're baptized in the Spirit is that you have confidence to come out of hiding. Some speak in tongues. It's a gift. Yes, no doubt. The tongues they spoke in were human languages that they didn't study. But obviously God wanted to do a work in those people's lives. So he clothed a, a few folk to speak in an 
unknown language to them. And they spoke it with the dialect. Stop making excuses how weak you are and just join the rest of us in a whole Bible story. We are weaklings. We are struggling. We, we, we are ashamed. Okay, God, clothe me. I know me. I'm naked. God, you do your thing. And just for crying out loud, give God a chance. Give God a chance to just clothe you. And again, every day we can be clothed. The evidence of the baptism, that is that you're soaked in the Spirit, is you are not ashamed. There's a dignity about you. There's an honor with which you conduct yourself. You're known as somebody that is of God. That's all that outward mantle. That mantle was already poured out upon many folk in the Old Testament, and now it is poured out on Jew, it is poured out on Gentile, it's poured out even on females. Oh. <laughs> Saints, you have no lack or no need that the Spirit of God cannot provide for. Amen. But you're so afraid. What if He asks me to go somewhere I don't want to go? Exactly. You're not consecrated. Your yes is not really a yes. It's got a condition to it. But what if He asks me to be somebody I'm not? Well, hello. We're all asked to be more than we are in the natural. But fear not. That mantle upon you will equip you. You have no excuse. God's not done pouring out upon folk. We're still in the biblical narrative where God delights to equip us. So that's the outward thing. But everything changed with the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus, when He now was able to bring the Spirit also within us. I said earlier, those guys from the Old Testament, they just had the Spirit upon them. And look what they accomplished. In the New Testament, not only did they get the mantle to step out and speak in tongues and prophesy and, and, and heal and, and, and live and proclaim and preach, but all the while, they had communion with God within, fellowship, the presence of God within.